You're listening to The Dworkin Report. I'm your host, Scott Dworkin. On tonight's emergency episode, I'm going to break down a pair of new and increasingly serious sexual assault allegations against Judge Brett Kavanaugh, both of which are being investigated by the Senate Judiciary Committee as I speak to you tonight. We were not planning this podcast. At 7.33 p.m., attorney Michael Avenatti tweeted, I represent a woman with credible information regarding Judge Kavanaugh and Mark Judge and demanded that the Senate give his client time to speak. Then, just 16 minutes later, at 7.49 p.m. tonight, the New Yorkers Ronan Farrow and Jane Mayer dropped an epic double bombshell report laying out a stunning allegation of sex assault by Brett Kavanaugh as a freshman at Yale. At 9.16 p.m., attorney Michael Avenatti released a description of the incident so horrifying that you can just consider this your quote-unquote trigger warning because the description of Kavanaugh's indecency is so graphic that I can't actually believe that I'm saying this in the context of a SCOTUS seat. But his client alleges that Brett Kavanaugh participated in a gangbang with his drinking buddy Mark Judge in the early 1980s, and the two used date-rape drugs, a combination of pills, and alcohol to target women. And the New Yorker's reporting contains boom-chilling confirmation of what Avenatti's client is claiming. Let me remind you that the New Yorker's bombshell sexual assault story contains a second major story, something that will rip through the ranks of Senate Republicans, and it will hurt people like vulnerable incumbents like Ted Cruz. It's a moment that deserves attention because it lays absolutely stark naked, bare, and for the world to see the gross intentions of Senate Republicans especially the SCOTUS chair thief in charge, Mitch McConnell, the Republican majority leader. He knew. They knew. All of the Republicans knew that this newest allegation was being reported. They knew it when they sped up the hearings, demanding a vote on Monday. Even unethical Ed Whalen knew when he used his job at the Ethics and Public Policy Center to very publicly libel one of Brett Kavanaugh's former Georgetown prep classmates. They all knew it when Republican Senate Judiciary Chairman Chuck Grassley and Lindsey Graham knew it, when those Republican senators and others used their power to play hardball with Dr. Blasey Ford. Ford's attorneys desperately negotiated an extension for her testimony at the point of a political knife held to her jugular by Grassley. And all that bought her in a negotiation conducted in bad faith by GOP senators was a reprieve until this Thursday. While Anita Hill was releasing a poignant op-ed in the New York Times decreeing the three-day FBI investigation that took place in 1991 into her allegations against Clarence Thomas, while that was happening, Republicans knew that a new complaint was coming from the New Yorker. And it's in the lead paragraph of the story, which ultimately arrived from Brett Kavanaugh's former Yale classmate, Deborah Ramirez, Ronan Farrow, and Jane Mayer reported her Me Too story. After six days of carefully assessing her memories and consulting with her attorney, Ramirez said that she felt confident enough of her recollections to say that she remembers Kavanaugh had exposed himself at a drunken dormitory party, thrust his penis in her face, and caused her to touch it without her consent as she pushed him away. Ramirez is now calling for the FBI to investigate Kavanaugh's role in the incident. The New Yorker reports that Democratic Senator Maisie Hirono of Hawaii, who sits on the Judiciary Committee, said, This is another serious, credible, 
and disturbing allegation against Brett Kavanaugh. It should be fully investigated. An aide in one of the other Senate offices added, these allegations seem credible and we're taking them very seriously. If established, they're clearly disqualifying. Ramirez told Farrow and Mayer the story of being a freshman at Yale and playing a drinking game in a dorm common area. At one point, another student pointed a gag plastic penis at her in jest, but what happened soon afterwards would haunt her, leading her to tell others about the incident and for some of her classmates to remember the assault and to relay their stories to the New Yorker as well, who described the assault in graphic detail this way. A third male student then exposed himself to her. I remember a penis being in front of my face, she said. I knew that's not what I wanted, even in that state of mind, she recalled remarking, that's not a real penis. And the other students laughing at her confusion and taunting her, one encouraging her to quote-unquote kiss it. She said that she pushed the person away, touching it in the process. Ramirez, who was raised a devout Catholic in Connecticut, said that she was shaken. I wasn't going to touch a penis until I was married, she said. I was embarrassed and ashamed and humiliated. She remembers Kavanaugh standing up to her right and laughing, pulling up his pants. Brett was laughing, she said. I can still see his face and his hips coming forward, like when you pull up your pants. She recalled another male student shouting about the incident. Somebody yelled down from the hall. Brett Kavanaugh just put his penis in Debbie's face, she said. It was his full name. I don't think it was just quote-unquote Brett. And I remember hearing and being mortified that this was out there. Ramirez said that she remained silent about the matter and did not fully confront her memories about it for years because she blamed herself for drinking too much. It was a story that was known, but it was a story I was embarrassed about, she said. More recently, she has begun to reassess what happened. Even if I did drink too much, any person observing it, would they want their daughter, their granddaughter, with a penis in their face while they're drinking that much, she said. I can say that at 53, but when I was 19 or 20, I was vulnerable. I didn't know better. And this is where the situation gets even worse for Brett Kavanaugh, for Senate Republicans, for frankly, for all of you and me out there, for knowing that a major political party stands ready to give one of the top dozen jobs in American government a lifetime one at that, to a partisan political hack who lied at his first confirmation hearings about possessing and using stolen materials and lied again this week, which I filed a complaint against just two weeks ago, naively thinking this is the worst thing I could imagine a SCOTUS nominee ever being accused of doing. I was wrong. Farrow and Mayer's reporting pierced the veil of the commonly known about Brett Kavanaugh's old drinking buddy, Mark Judge who refuses to testify to the Senate, even though he is both a close friend and material eyewitness to Dr. Blasey Ford's terrifying claim of a near rape, a situation that would normally encourage one to testify to help their friend. They found Judge's ex-girlfriend, and that is how the New Yorker's story intersects with Michael Avenatti's client's totally terrifying claims. They wrote, After seeing Judge's denials, Elizabeth Razor, who met judge at Catholic University and was in a relationship with him for about three years said that she felt morally obligated to challenge his account that quote-unquote no horseplay took place at Georgetown Prep with women. 
Razor stressed that, quote-unquote, under normal circumstances, I wouldn't reveal information that was told in confidence, but, she said, I can't stand by and watch him lie. In an interview with The New Yorker, she said, Mark told me a very different story. Razor recalled that Judge had told her ashamedly of an incident that involved him and other boys taking turns having sex with a drunk woman. Razor said that Judge seemed to regard it as fully consensual. She said that Judge did not name others involved in the incident, and she has no knowledge that Kavanaugh participated. But Razor was disturbed by this story. I noted that it undercut Judge's obvious lies about the sexual innocence of Georgetown Prep. Please note that Barbara Van Gelder, an attorney for Judge, said that he categorically denies the account by Razor. Van Gelder said that Judge had no further comment. This episode of the Dworkin Report is brought to you by Resistors Like You. We aim to keep this show independent for as long as we can. Visit DworkinReport.com to see how you can help out. One of the best ways is by hitting that contribute button in the top right and giving what you can. Thanks again for your support. Let's get back to the show. Attorney Michael Avenatti's tweet rang out at 9.33 p.m. with the following caption to an image of an email chain beginning at 7.42 p.m. tonight after his first tweet, but before the New Yorker's story came out. It contained the email he sent to top Senate Republicans at 9.06 p.m. He wrote, My email of moments ago with Mike Davis, Chief Counsel for Nominations for U.S. Senate Committee on the Judiciary, we demand that this process be thorough, open, and fair, which is what the American public deserves. It must not be rushed, and evidence-slash-witnesses must not be hidden. Before I continue to share with you the email that Avenatti wrote to Republican Senate investigators, let me just tell you that involves a quote-unquote train of men. And if that's too graphic for you, please just skip ahead a minute, because Michael Avenatti didn't just share the allegations from his client, but suggested a question list about the issue, and is nothing short of damning. Here's Avenatti's email. Dear Mr. Davis, thank you for your email. We are aware of significant evidence of multiple house parties in the Washington, D.C. area during the early 1980s, during which Brett Kavanaugh, Mark Judge, and others would participate in the targeting of women with alcohol-slash-drugs in order to allow a quote-unquote train of men to subsequently gang-rape them. There are multiple witnesses that will corroborate these facts, and each of them must be called to testify publicly. As a starting point, Senate investigators should pose the following questions to Judge Kavanaugh without delay and provide the answers to the American people. Number one, did you ever target one or more women for sex or rape at a house party? Did you ever assist Mark Judge or others in doing so? Number two, did you ever attend any house party during which a woman was gang raped or used for sex by multiple men? Number three, did you ever witness a line of men outside a bedroom at any house party where you understood a woman was in the bedroom being raped or taken advantage of? Number four, did you ever participate in any sexual conduct with a woman at a house party whom you understood to be intoxicated or under the influence of drugs? Number five, did you ever communicate with Mark Judge or anyone else 
about your participation in a quote-unquote train involving an intoxicated woman. Number six, did you ever object or attempt to prevent one or more men from participating in the rape or taking advantage of a woman at any house party? Please note that we will provide additional evidence relating to the above conduct both to the committee and the American public in the coming days. If you feel breathless just listening to what Brett Kavanaugh is accused of having done just tonight, then you're not alone. My first reaction was, literally, this is insane. Let me remind you that Kavanaugh was a staff secretary to George W. Bush, the same job that Rob Porter had for Trump before his history of domestic violence came to light, and a White House lawyer whose specific job was to be the top expert in judicial confirmations. Brett Kavanaugh knows full well his own life story. He knows full well how the Senate tries to uncover a nominee's entire background. And he knows full well that the only way for him to survive a SCOTUS confirmation hearing was to jam everything through before anyone could know much of anything about him. Except that Trump considered him the indispensable man for his position on giving the president an entirely free pass to commit crimes before or after taking office, after spending his early adult life as former independent counsel Kenneth Starr's quote-unquote designated leaker in the Republican Party's quixotic quest to destroy Bill Clinton. When I filed the perjury complaint, I thought that would be it. The Senate would investigate perjury. Our attorney, Jay Whitfield Larrabee, just messaged me to say that, quote-unquote, the confirmation process involving Brett Kavanaugh has again revealed Senate Republicans' moral bankruptcy. We need to defeat his effort to join the Supreme Court and see to it that he is impeached and removed from office as a judge. And I agree. America deserves better than this. American women deserve better than this. The measure of any society is how it treats women. Democrats have gotten the message loud and clear. When will Republicans learn? Just because Roy Moore endorses Brett Kavanaugh doesn't make him a good person. Judge Brett Kavanaugh can never be a justice on the Supreme Court, let alone a judge in D.C. on the appeals court. Thanks to my producer, Grant Stern, for his help on this episode. You can visit our website at dworkingreport.com. Thanks again for listening. Onward.